Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join lead pastor Mike Wiggins for the message, The Body of Christ. All right, well, the body of Christ is a fascinating subject, and it can be viewed in two different ways. The body of Christ can, first of all, be viewed um, as the incarnate body of Christ, but then it also can be viewed as the corporate body of Christ. Concerning the incarnate body of Christ, most, if not all of you know, that the eternal Son of God, not a created angel, as the cults would say. No, Jesus was not a created angel, but that the eternal, uncreated Son of God came on a rescue mission to seek and to save those who were lost. That's us. And what did he do? 2,000 years ago, he entered time and space and he wrapped himself in human flesh. He became a man. It's called the incarnation. We're going to celebrate it in just 68 days. Yes, here's your warning, 68 shopping days until Christmas, okay? Now, we get excited about Christmas because we get to open presents. But the miracle of Christmas is not that the world gets to open presents. The miracle of Christmas is that 2,000 years ago, the world experienced his presence. God became a man. And he was born in Bethlehem. He was raised up in Nazareth. And not only that, when he was around 30 years old, he began his public ministry in an incarnate body. And so if you're taking notes today, the son ministered through his incarnate body. As a man, 100% God, 100% man, as a man, Jesus ministered, he traveled through a very small region of the world, right? During those three years of public ministry, he, he made his way around Judea and Samaria and Galilee and on the east side of the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan, the Decapolis. And the Bible says he even went up uh, to the Gentile cities of Tyre and Sidon, which is located in um, Lebanon today. And so what was he doing? He was teaching, he was preaching, he was helping, he was healing people, again, in a very small region. But even though Jesus ministered in a very small region, how many of you guys understand that his impact was enormous? Absolutely enormous. His impact was so enormous that we divide all history by his life, right? BC, before Christ. A.D., not after death, right? A Latin phrase, anno domini, which means in the year of our Lord. And so Jesus, one man, made such an impact. Nobody has made, ever made such an impact as Jesus. And so he came, and after his impactful life, after his death, after his resurrection, he ascended up, back up to heaven, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. But how many of you are glad that that's not the end of the story? right? Because in the Gospels, we see the incarnate body of Christ. But in the book of Acts, if you keep reading the Bible, we see the corporate body of Christ. At the end of the Gospels, Jesus went back up into heaven. But in the beginning of Acts, after Jesus went up, the Spirit came down. And now Jesus lives 
moves, preaches, teaches, ministers, and heals through the corporate body, the body of believers. And so, as you see there, the son now ministers through his corporate body. His corporate body. What's the corporate body? Um, you. <laughs> and it's me. And now, right, in the book of Acts, as you read through church history, as you look around what God's doing today, you see that before Jesus just ministered in this small area, but now, man, the Lord gets around. He's all over the world. There's churches all over Europe and Asia and Africa, right? And Australia, North America, South America, even down in Antarctica. I Googled it to make sure. There's churches. Can you imagine being called to Antarctica? I mean, bring your coat, right? But the church is everywhere. And believers like you and I are the hands and feet of Jesus today. It's the way Jesus moves, the way he travels, the way he ministers. He does it. He teaches, preaches, and helps and heals through us. And so Paul's not going to talk about the incarnate body today. He's going to talk about the corporate body of Christ today. And so we're going to pick it up today in verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12. If you're looking at that verse, just say amen so I know you're there. All right, here we go. For as the body, the human body, is one and has many members, right? Head, eyes, ears, mouth, tongue, shoulders, arms. But all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is who? Christ. That's the corporate body of Christ. It's the church. And so we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. When did we become part of the church? How did that happen? Verse 13. For by one spirit, you guys see spirit there? Okay, there's the Trinity. It's all over the place. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. So here Paul wrote about that beautiful moment when we became part of the worldwide family of God. If you're taking notes, you need to know that we are part of a big, big family the universal body of Christ. Now, I don't know when that happened in your life. I don't even know if it happened yet in your life. But at the moment that you turn to Christ in repentance and faith, repentance, faith, two sides of the same coin, Right? Repentance towards God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we pass from death to life. That's how we pass from darkness um, into light. It's not by our works, which we have done. It's not trying to be good enough to earn heaven. That's all false gospel. It's all by, how many of you guys know it's all by God's grace, right? And so when we made that choice to turn to Christ as our only hope in repentance and faith, at that moment, the Holy Spirit mystically, mysteriously, powerfully, he took you and he baptized you, he immersed you, he placed you into the universal body of Christ. This is not talking about water baptism. That's something else. What this is, it's, it's, it's when the Holy Spirit made you part of the family of God. And so at that moment, 
Again, you became part of a big family and a family that extends way beyond one local church. If Jesus Christ really is your savior, your Lord, your only hope, let me just hear you say amen if that's, if that's you. Okay. So all the people right now who said amen or all the people watching online who said amen or listening in their car who said amen. Okay. Everybody who said amen, you need to understand you have brothers and sisters all around the world. The body of Christ is so much bigger than Calvary Port St. Lucie. We're just like a little tiny drop in the bucket. The body of Christ extends, again, across the world. The body of Christ is so much larger than the Calvary Chapel affiliation of churches that we're a part of. Way bigger than that. According to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, the body of Christ includes people from every tribe, every tongue, all people, and from every, not, not all people, but, but people and nation. So every tribe, every tongue, people and nation, there's people from the church, people who know Christ that are a part of the universal body of Christ. And so if you are happy that you're part of the big, ginormous family of God. Again, just say amen. amen. Okay, it's, it's bigger than just this church, way bigger. And by the way, let me just say this because that sounds arrogant even saying it. So let me just clarify. If you ever go to a church and it says, that says that our church is the only way, you gotta be a church member here in order to go to heaven, I have one word of advice for you. Yes, run. <laughs> run as hard as you can church is way bigger than one church. Verse 14, he says, for in fact, the body is not one member, but how many? Right. Okay. Verse 15, if the foot should say, okay, how many of you know that feet cannot talk? Okay. Paul's not being literal here, but it's a great analogy. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Imagine if your feet started talking to you today, this afternoon at dinner time. I mean, first of all, you'd freak out, faint after you wake up, woke up. Imagine if your feet are still talking to you. Imagine if your feet said to you, you know, we're, we're tired of this. We're sick of this. We quit. We feel like we got a bum deal. It all started, the feet are saying, uh, when we looked up at the hands. What a life they get to live. Look at all the beautiful rings they get to have. Look at the watch up there. What do we get to wear? Smelly socks every day. They get lotion every night. What do we get? Walked on. Ignored. We're tired of all this pressure. <laughs> We're tired of just standing around. We're tired of this throbbing pain. And so we've concluded that because we're not like the hands, we're not really part of the body, and therefore we quit. If your feet could talk, and if your feet said that, would your feet be right or wrong? Wrong. The feet are just as much part of the body as the hands. And so if your feet are feeling that way, what do they need to do? They need to change their focus. They need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. They need to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and start being transformed by the renewing of their mind. 
They need to stop comparing themselves with other parts of the body. They need to stop complaining. They need to look at the bright side of life. They need to stop being half glass empty people and start being half glass full people. In other words, they need to understand that they, the feet, are a vital part of the body. Right? Okay. And so you think, God, you think Paul's talking about feet? He's not talking about feet. He's talking about you. And he's talking about me. And so what the feet need to do, they need to start renewing their mind and understand that, hey, without them, our body would be in big trouble. Without our feet, every morning when the alarm clock goes off and we got out of bed, we'd fall on our face. Without our feet, we couldn't even stand up. Without our feet, we couldn't walk around. We couldn't kick a ball. We couldn't run. We couldn't jump up and down. We couldn't dance. And so if the, maybe the rest of the body needs to speak life into the feet. Maybe the rest of the body needs to start encouraging the feet. Maybe the rest of the body needs to start saying, hey, you're just as much part of the body as we are. Look at verse 16. And I know you're getting this, but Paul doesn't think we got it yet. And so in verse 16, he continues the illustration. He says, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Imagine if your ears could talk. And imagine if your ears start complaining. And your ears say, you know what? We got a bum deal compared to the eyes. Man, the eyes, what a, what a life they get to live. They get to see sunsets and sunrises and mountain ranges and flowers. What do we get to see? Nothing. We can't see. We're just ears. Man, the eyes, when they get irritated, they get eye drops. What do we get? Q-tips crammed inside of us every night. Man, the ears, no matter how old they are, whether they're eight or 80, they're always shiny and bright. As we get older, we get bigger, more hairy. We're tired of this, right? Wah, 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 wah. You think Paul's talking about ears? No, he's talking about us. And so what do the ears need to do if they start to uh, compare themselves to other parts of the body? They need to change their focus. And they need to realize the part that they play. Hey, without your ears, you couldn't hear your spouse say, I love you. Without your ears, you couldn't hear Beethoven's fifth, Handel's Messiah chorus, Hallelujah chorus. You couldn't hear your child's first words. See, the ears play a vital role in the body and they're just as important as the eyes. Okay, what's Paul's point? If you're taking notes, your role in the church is vital. Your role. You say, who, me? Yep. You. If a little while ago you said, amen, when I asked, is Jesus your Savior and Lord, that means you're a member of the body and you have a role to play. And your role is a very vital role. You see, the fact of the matter is, is that God calls some people to be feet. He calls other people to be hands. He calls other people to be heads. He calls other people to be eyes or ears or the heart or lungs or whatever. And every member 
plays an important role. I'm so blessed as the pastor of this church because there are literally hundreds of people who serve in this church. Hundreds of people are serving, um, for, for example, um, First Impressions Ministry. It all starts when you drive in in the parking lot and you see the guys with the orange shirts that help you find a parking space, okay? They're serving. Thank God for them. They're sweating too, by the way. And then you come in and you get a program. Hopefully the person's smiling. They're serving. And then you see an usher and they help you find a seat. They're, they're, they're serving. And then, then you get to hear a worship team that's been rehearsing hours and hours and hours, Thursday night, Sunday morning, as I said, from 7 a.m. all the way until now. Why? Because they understand that their role is important to lead all of us into the presence of God. Right? And not only that, but they couldn't do what they do if it wasn't for the tech team back there, the audio, the visual, the men and women back there who are making sure that all this works. And then after the service, you get to go out and have a donut or a cup of coffee. And there's people serving you there in hospitality. And not only that, but there, if you get sick, there's a safety team that's here all over the campus. And if there's an emergency, there's a security team um, that's here as well. And by the way, none of us could do anything that we do with any spiritual um, uh, progress if it wasn't for the people who are praying before every service. And if it wasn't for the people who are praying for you after the service, the prayer partners, they're serving. And not only that, um, but we have um, 148 right now people who are serving in our Shine Children's Ministry, spending time with your kids, understanding that what goes on over there is just as important as what goes on here. And they're loving and they're caring and they're listening uh, to your kids. And not only that, on Sunday nights, there's another group that ministers to your 6th through 12th grade students. And then after that, there's another group that ministers to the 18 to 24-year-olds, Clarity. And then in addition to that, during the week, we have a whole bunch of people who are serving on the admin team. And we have people going out with Jack every other Thursday night to, to witness. We have other people in, in facilities. And so what they do is they check and make sure all the lights are working and other things are working around the campus. We have people in stewardship ministry. We have 65 to 70, I think, life group facilitators who every week or every other week are cleaning their house. They're going over their curriculum. They're praying for you as you come, 8, 10, 12, 14, or whatever people into their home or into a classroom in order to uh, share the word of God. We have uh, people who are visiting others in the hospital. I was so blessed to read an email this week that I was copied on to see that we have 30 plus people, I think, 30 or more people on the hospital team making sure nobody falls through the cracks when they go to the hospital. We have others on the His Care team that are providing meals for those people. We have other people on the baptism team who are making sure that the baptism party is over the top awesome. And it really is every time we do it. We have other people who are translating right now the service from English into Spanish. And I could go on and on and on. But see, the body is one body, but it's many members. And all the members working together cause the body to be healthy and to function effectively. And we should thank everybody right now for everything that they're doing. It's awesome. It's awesome. As I said last week, I can never do what I do with all these people. And so, and by the way, we don't just want to build one healthy church here. We want to send people out, right? We want to send people out uh, to other places in Florida and other places in the United States and other countries 
to, to plant other healthy New Testament churches like we did with Pastor Teddy, who's now in Fort Pierce, and with Pastor Dave, who's now in Billings, Montana, and with Pastor Chuck, who's now in, in Stewart, Florida. Man, would to God that we sent 10, 20, 30 people, couples like that, all around the world to plant other churches. And when they go, they need to know that they also are a vital part of the body of Christ. So important. Look now at verse 17. Paul says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Just look at me for one second. Can you imagine right now if my whole body was a big eyeball? What was it, like a big minion? I didn't see the movie, but... I mean, that would be like a horror movie. And I'm glad my whole body is not an eyeball. Because if my whole body was an eyeball, I wouldn't be able to hear. At the end of verse 17, he says, if the whole body were hearing... Where would be the smelling? Can you imagine if I was a big ear? Can you imagine if I was a big nose? And right in the middle of the sermon, I sneezed and sprayed all of you guys, right? That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're many members and we're all part of one body. And so thank God that the human body is so much like the body of Christ, the church, and we all have an important role to play. Verse 18. But now, what's the next word? God. So important that you understand that God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. In other words, we don't choose what we want to be. We don't choose what we do. In his sovereignty, he does. Verse 19, and if they were all one member... Where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Look again at verse 18. I want to emphasize the fact that God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Therefore, if you're a foot, why do you want to be a hand? If you're an ear, why do you want to be an eye? Did God make a mistake when he formed you? If you're taking notes, that's your next point. God's calling on your life is not a mistake. And I'm really concerned today because I think that there's people who go to church, who come two, three times a month, and they sit in a row, and they have no idea that they're part of the body of Christ, and they have a role to play. And so understand what your role is. And then once you know what your role is, be that person. And don't try to be somebody else. Hey, if, if, how many of you guys believe that God is sovereign, right? All right, so if we really believe Psalm 139, yes, he is. Okay, so if we really believe that God is sovereign and that Psalm 139, he knit us together in our mother's womb. It's what it says in the Bible. By the way, quick side note, not in the notes. That is why abortion is murder. Because the Bible says that God himself is the one who's forming that little baby in their mother's womb. How dare we go up there and kill what God is making? 
And so if you're wondering, we are a pro-life church from conception all the way until God decides to take us home. And we always will be because life's important, right? So important, so important. I don't understand why pastors stop saying that now. And by the way, if you're here today and you had an abortion in the past, what you need to know is that God loves you and he will absolutely forgive you and he will absolutely accept you through the blood of Jesus Christ because none of us are good enough to make it to heaven. We're we're all in by grace. And so going back to the message now, if you really believe that God knits you together in your mother's womb, then you know that he doesn't make mistakes. And so he made you the way he made you. Stop trying to be somebody else. Just be who you are. It says right there in the passage that it pleased God to make you the way he made you and to put you the way of where he puts you. In other words, you please God. You bring pleasure to God. Just be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. There's, you know, there's nothing worse than being around somebody and they're trying to be somebody else. I see a lot of young people uh, in the next generation and they're trying to be somebody else. I'm thinking, would you just be who you are? You're awesome. Just be who you are. Because one day you're going to have to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, were you who I made you to be? And you're going to have to say, no, I tried to be like that guy or that girl. What? You're awesome. And what God has called you to do is awesome. And so embrace what God has called you to do. And I've got to say before I move on that some people erroneously think that those who are employed by the church somehow have a higher position than those who are employed by secular organizations. Nothing could be further from the truth. If everybody worked down at the church building 40 hours a week, the Great Commission would never be fulfilled. The Great Commission, you remember Matthew 28, 18 through 20? Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, everybody say go. Go Go, therefore and make disciples. In the Greek, it's literally as you are going. So it's not always go to Africa or go to the Philippines. Sometimes it includes that, but um, also what it includes as you are going. Us in this room. As we leave this place, and as we are going, and as we are living our lives, we have the responsibility to make disciples of Christ. That's what the sign says. How many of you guys have seen the sign when you drive out? I'm glad one person saw the sign. There's a sign out there. The sign says, go and make disciples of all the nations. All the nations are right here in Port St. Lucie. They're all here. It's a melting pot. It's awesome. Right? And so we have the responsibility, not just the pastors, but all y'all have the responsibility to go and make disciples and to get excited about what God has called you to do. Man, God's called some of you to be firefighters, others of you to be police officers. He's called others of you to serve your country in the military. Can we just stop right now and thank the men and women in all three of those areas for putting their lives on the line for us? I mean, you're trying to tell me that your calling is not as high as my calling because I'm a preacher? That's not what the Bible preaches. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. 
God's called some of you to be business people and attorneys, doctors and nurses and physical therapists, dentists and pharmacists, market research analysts, construction workers and plumbers and electricians and mechanics, financial advisors, postmen, postwomen, realtors, web designers, software developers, politicians, fitness trainers, accountants, teachers, engineers. And I go on and on and on. Excuse me if I didn't name your career field, but the thing is God made you to be you. And he made you in a certain way to work in a certain way. And whatever you are, even if you're not employed by the church, you gotta understand, man, what God called you to do is awesome. Get excited about it. Don't gripe and complain about your job. Don't compare yourself to people in other areas and say, man, I'm an ear and that guy gets to be an eye. What a life he gets to live. No, embrace your position. Embrace who God made you to be. And by the way, some of you are trying to witness to your boss and you're late three out of five days a week. Others of you are trying to witness to your coworkers and you know you're not a hard worker. Do everybody a favor. Stop talking about Jesus until you can be on time for work and be the hardest worker in your company or your area, right? Let's be a church that has a good reputation. Let's be a church that disperses people out all over Palm Beach County, Broward County, St. Lucie County, Brevard County, Indian River County, and all these different areas and workplaces. And let's be known for people who are on time and people who work hard and people who respect our boss. And then as we show, first you show, remember third grade? First you show, then you tell. And so show and then with your life and then tell with your mouth. Take responsibility to go and make disciples of all the nations. If you're following me, can you say amen here? Amen. I just hope this is not falling on deaf ears. I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking to your hearts. He says in verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, can you imagine again, your eyes talking to your hand and says, I have no need of you. Sounds like the eye has an ego problem. Can you imagine a church member telling another church member, I have no need of you. What? Hey, just look at me for a second. If the eye says to the hand, I have no need of you. All the hand's got to do is say, well, how are you going to put your contacts in tomorrow morning? Every member is important. We all need each other. At the end of verse 17, if the whole, I'm sorry, at the end of verse um, um, 21, he says, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. If the head is so arrogant and it says to the feet, I have no need of you, all the feet have to do is respond, hey, how are you gonna walk to your car, go to work to think with your head? We all are important we all need each other in the body of Christ. Verse 22. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, Paul says. 
Another example I can give you is compare your arm to your heart. Some of you guys, because I see you at the gym, you know, you're curling 60-pound dumbbells. I can't do that with two hands. And you got this big bulging biceps and triceps, right? And whatever you call that top one, I don't know what it's called. But you got this big old arm, right? Okay, compare that big old arm, not my arm, but the other guy's arm, the big old arm, compare that to the heart. The heart is only the size of the fist. It's very fragile. Question, because it's so small and fragile, does that mean the heart is less important than the arm? <laughs> I mean, how many of you guys know it's more important? Roman soldiers, when they went out to battle, they wore a metal breastplate, but they didn't even cover their arms half the time or more. Why? Because you can live without an arm. You can't live without a heart. And so listen, listen. Those positions in the church that seem to be less significant in God's eyes, they're very significant. There's a lot of hearts in this church. Man, we thank God for you. Look at verse 23. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable... On these, we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts. Okay, I'll just say it. Paul's talking about our private parts of the body. Our unpresentable parts have greater what? Modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. What's he saying there? What he's saying there is that sometimes people will say, well, you know, certain parts of my body are not as important as the presentable parts. And Paul would say, uh, yes, they are. They're just as important or more important. Well, how do you know? What did you do this morning? You took great care to cover the, the unpresentable parts of your body. That must mean they're pretty valuable. Just as valuable as every other part of your body. And I'm so glad that today, this afternoon, all you took care to cover your bodies here at church. That's a beautiful thing. And there's not going to be any application point on the screen for that part. We'll just move on. Leave it to Paul. Just like tell it like it is. He says in verse 24, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no, what's the word? Schism in the body but that the members should have the same, get this, care for one another. Okay, so I'll just summarize those three or four verses. Um, what Paul is saying is that when everybody in the church cares, actually cares for one another, and we all work together, what happens is that there's health in the body. But if that's not happening, there's disease in the body. I love David Guzik. He's a fellow Calvary Chapel pastor, um, and he's from Santa Barbara. And this is what he says. The parts of the body work together. Okay, follow this. The eyes and ears do not only serve themselves, but the whole body. Do you guys agree with that? Okay. The hands do not only feed and defend themselves, but they feed and defend the whole body. Do you agree with that? Okay, the heart, especially the heart, does not only supply blood to itself, but it serves the, what's the next two words? Whole 
the whole body. Okay? Sometimes there's a part of our body which only lives to serve itself. It doesn't contribute anything to the rest of the body, and everything it gets, it uses to feed and grow itself, and we call this cancer. Do you see his point? When everybody in the church understands that we need to care for one another, we need to work together, we need to serve one another, then there's a healthy body. But, I'm not, I am not talking about anybody in this room right now, but when somebody on Sunday morning comes through those doors and comes in here and their attitude is, I'm not here to serve, I'm here to be served. If somebody on Sunday morning comes in through those glass doors and comes in here and starts scoping out the sheep and their motive is not to glorify Jesus Christ, their motive is not to serve and care for other members in the church, their motive is to use you to exploit you, to see how many contacts they can make to further their business, to look around and see if there's any young girls that maybe they can ask out on a date and exploit sexually, or to go from member to member to member and borrow money, and then borrow money, and then borrow money, and never pay any of it back, and by the way, if there's anybody here or somebody keeps borrowing money from you, you ought to privately go and tell Pastor Bob because they may be hitting up a lot of other people in the body, but we'll never know unless you tell us. The point is that when somebody, nobody in this room comes through those glass doors and God knows the heart and God knows what the motive is and God knows they're not here to worship Jesus Christ and they're not here to serve the body. They're here to exploit the body and they use the body. Well, in those cases, guess what? There needs to be a schism. The elders and the pastors need to step in and they need to cut away like a surgeon cuts cancer during surgery. They need to cut away that part of the body that's only there serving itself. Does this make sense to you guys? And so, hey, guess what? God's got your number. I may not be able to see your heart, but God sees your heart. And the motive that all of us need to have when we come to church is not to use people to benefit ourselves. The motive that we have needs to match the motive of Jesus Christ who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. Amen or oh me. Verse 26. I love this. He says, if one member of the body suffers, all the members should suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, then all the members should rejoice with it. So true, isn't it? Can you imagine if you're hammering a nail? I've done this. Broke my thumb in two places. Can you imagine if you're hammering a nail and you miss and bam, you hit the thumb? Okay, question. When that happens, does only your thumb suffer? Your whole body suffers. Your throat is making these weird noises. Ah! Hopefully you're not letting any curse words slip out. Your torso bends. 
The other hand comes to the rescue and grabs your thumb and puts it into your mouth to soothe your thumb. All members of the body come to the aid and they suffer with that member of the body. That's the way it's supposed to be here in the church. Now, let me say this, that if you come on Sunday morning, this service is a little bit different. We're not quite as full as the other two services, but in this service as well, if you just come on Sunday morning and you're hurting, you may get missed. Why? Because our church just, by God's grace, keeps growing and growing and growing. And there's no way on Sunday morning in a crowd this size, especially the other two services, there's no way we can know about every hurt and problem and issue. But if you join a life group and you get into a group of 8, 10, 12, 14 people and everybody knows your name and you're hurting, guess what? You will not be missed. And they'll gather around you and they'll love you and they'll encourage you and they'll pray for you and the whole group will suffer with you. What is the application point, Pastor Mike? Join a life group. As a church grows larger, if it's going to stay healthy, it's got to grow smaller. That's life groups in our context in this local church. And when a church that is growing larger grows smaller, listen, all the needs of the body can actually be met. Do you see how that works? At least do this for me, please, so you know that it works. Okay, and so Rachel and Julie are going to be out in the foyer after the service. If, you want, if you're not serving and you want to serve, you can sign up to serve today after this service. If you want to go and join a life group, you can do that. There's still some available after this service. Don't let, the, the, don't let your Christianity or the extent of your Christianity be defined by sitting in a row two or three times a month. No, that's not following Jesus. Don't just go to church. Be the church. Leave the row. Go to the circle. And let God use you to minister to other people. Verse 27. We're almost done. We're rounding third space and coming into home here. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and variety of tongues. Okay, if you're new to Calvary today, what you need to know is that we have already taught extensively on the offices of the church, right? As we taught through Ephesians chapter 4, we talked extensively about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers, and in the last three weeks, we have taught extensively on every single gift of the Holy Spirit, except the gift of tongues, which we're going to cover in chapter 14, because chapter 14 is, always, is all about the gift of tongues. And so um, I'm not going to re-preach sermons here. I would encourage you to download the church app and go back and listen to those messages. Verse 29, a series of rhetorical questions here. And I want you guys to answer out loud, yes or no, okay? Okay, the first question I have for you today is, is everybody here in the church an apostle, yes or no? Okay, are all prophets? 
Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Now, some of you didn't say it, but in your heart, you're thinking, well, isn't the answer yes? Pastor Mike, the church that I came from taught that the, the sign of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is speaking with tongues. And if you don't speak with tongues, you have not received the Holy Spirit. Well, let me be as nice as I can be. You were taught wrong. You were taught completely wrong. And especially some of you who came from churches that said, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. You were taught heresy. What's the word of God say? Hey, let's not elevate some denominational or church man doctrine over God's word. What does God's word say? The answer to all of these rhetorical questions is no. You can't say no apostle, no to prophets, no to teachers, no to worker of miracles, no to healings, and then say yes to tongues. It doesn't fit. And so not everybody has the gift of tongues and not everybody has the gift of interpretation of tongues. Do some have the gift of tongues? Yes. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than any of you. We'll see that in chapter 14. Paul said, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. We'll see that verse in its context when we get to chapter 14. Okay, so we're not a church that's cessationist. We don't believe that only some of the gifts are for today. We believe, hey, all the gifts are for today, but we are bound by God's word and let's do everything decently and in order. He says in verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And so next week, he's going to show us the more excellent way. Paul's going to wax eloquent by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to talk about probably the most famous chapter in all the Bible, the love chapter. One of the greatest gifts God can give His children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at www.calvarypsl.com and click on Knowing Christ.